Hey guys, welcome to episode six of the Babes Talking Business podcast. We have to say, this has got to be one of our favorite episodes, but then again, I think we say that after every episode. <laughs> Today's guest speaker is Fadi Hanna. You might have seen him on TED Talk, or maybe you saw him in the Business Review Weekly magazine, or maybe you saw him snatching up the Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award, not once, but twice. Yes, he's the director and founder of digital marketing company Flagship Digital, a company whose mission is to strategize relevance, inspire action, and deliver insane results. His business has been named one of the top fastest growing companies in Australia and he was so fun to talk to, super genuine, lovely guy and full of incredible value. If branding and marketing is something you know you need to implement into your business, then this is the podcast for you. You can find Fuddy at www.flagship.agency and guys, make sure you hop on his website because even that is an experience in itself. If you're loving our podcast, we would love love for you to rate us and drop us some love. We'll be doing a shout out a week on our Instagram for our favorite reviews. So when you leave us some feedback, don't forget to leave your Instagram handle and or your website so you can go in the running to win the shout out of the week. Don't forget guys, you can also follow us on Instagram by heading over to Babes Talking Business and you can check out our website at www.babestalkingbusiness.com. And one more thing, this podcast is actually a vlogcast, meaning you can watch each and every interview by heading over to our YouTube channel. Links for all of these are below in the podcast notes and on our website as well. Hope you love this one. We're in business. Awesome. Hey, hey, hey. Hey. Welcome to the vlogcast. Thanks for having me. Dude, we're so excited to chat with you today. I've heard so much about you too, so I'm just excited just to be like a sponge soaking up all your wisdom. She knew knew me at a pretty dark time in my life, so (laughs) hopefully it's none of those stories. Hey, we've all been there. It's true. (laughs) So, Fuds, um, for those on the line who who don't know you, um, we'd love for them to know who you are and all about you. So, you have Flagship Digital, which is a marketing company. Tell us a little bit more about what you do and what your vision and mission is. Sure. So Flagship is a like a a branding and marketing consultancy firm. So we focus on getting a deep understanding of uh, a customer and their product and services um, and also who their customers are in a way where we can sort of marry the two and have a really engaging conversation. So um, we understand what their customers' buying motivations and intentions are and uh, I guess figure out the best communication strategy to get them there. So that can be a rebrand, that could be a marketing campaign, that could just be changing some of the touch points of customer experiences. But for us, we're all about how to get the greatest return on investment for each customer by communicating in the most effective way. I love it. Mm. And you work with some like pretty awesome yeah. brands. Tell yeah. us about who you're working with at the moment. We've um, had the privilege of working with Virgin, with Citibank, um, BMW, um, Porsche, um, some some heavy hitters, absolutely. I think the most rewarding for us is probably working with startups or companies where we can really establish things from a grassroots level. Yeah. Um, but we've had the ability to work with some of the, the, yeah, the biggest names in the game, which is awesome and super humbling. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I know you're a really humble person, but I've heard you've done some pretty massive achievements in the last few years. So I heard you just come back from LA and you spoke on TED Talk. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was a wild experience. But yeah, I got asked to do a TED Talk, which 
and was really cool doing some of the research behind that and um, you know how to achieve customer loyalty and um, we did it very differently and it was um, it was stressful we actually rewrote the content 48 hours before <laughs> I remember you telling yeah, me that yeah. um, but but no it was a cool experience in fact at first I said no to it just because it's not really my type of gig yeah. um, and then I just had enough people throw stuff at me that I was like I'm just going to say yes and figure it out later so yeah actually the, enough people reminded me that that's the business advice that I gave them to yeah, say yeah. yes and figure out later I'm like okay cool Go it'd be irresponsible of me not to. Yeah. and you got some entrepreneur awards too the entrepreneur of the year yeah like two years in a row yeah it? young entrepreneur of the year um, two years in a row which has been awesome what really a boss cool. yeah. I love yeah. that yeah, yeah. 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 so it's you're making cool. waves you're making waves in the industry <laughs> trying to yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, the reason why I'm so excited for our listeners to hear from you is because you don't have that traditional background in like your studies mm. and how you actually came to be where you are today. It's yeah. such an amazing, funny yeah. story. Yeah. So yeah. I want you to explain and share that story. I know I don't think Loz has heard it no, about. Yeah, because you went you, you went to high school. You've obviously done school. I did high school, and then I studied music at university. And I couldn't even get into a music degree, so I got a certificate of popular music or something. And from that, <laughs> that I thought... You make that sound, yeah. like, so lame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it was lame at the time because it was the only thing I could get into. I sucked at school. But um, so I got into... So you to be a musician then? Is that what the... Yeah. yeah. Originally, the aspiration was to be The aspiration was or? to be a music producer. Oh, cool. So, and that was something that I loved doing. Yeah. Um, and so I went to university and studied popular music and how to engineer and produce and write songs and all of that stuff. And found myself going down the avenue of music. Um, and I was recording some albums and whatever, and it was cool. But I could very much sense that income was never going to come from the music industry. Mm-hmm. And so I started a job on the side purely just by myself, some keyboards and some drum kits and whatever I needed. And I remember in my job interview, it was a sales job. And I said to him, um, I said, hey, I'm more than happy to take the job, but I just want to let you know I'm here for three months and I'm, I'm bouncing. Like, that's it. Yeah. Um, and he's like, something tells me you'll stick around. I'm like, I'm just letting you know right now it'll be three months and I'm out. Like, and so he said, okay. And how I got onto that job is um, I said to a bunch of friends, like, how do I make the most amount of money in the shortest period of time legally? Yeah. And um, they said, you need a performance job. Go and get a sales job. So um, I went out and um, we were selling credit cards door to door. It sucked and it was really hot. Um, like literally door knocking. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So shout out to everybody that's in forty degree heat. <laughs> credit cards or insulation or whatever you're selling. Um, but I remember looking at the way they were doing things, and I was really frustrated by it because I'm like, hey, it makes no sense. Like the way that we're selling this and communicating it actually makes zero sense. But I'm an idiot. I failed at school. I, you know, know, yeah. What do I know? (laughs) But I said to the boss one time. I said, "Hey, do you mind if I give you just an idea of how we might be able to improve things? Not that you need to integrate it or whatever, but just read it and see if it makes as much sense to you as it does to me." And it was a super simple idea. It was like something that just it was a no-brainer to me. And I said, "Why don't we integrate this?" And he goes, "Okay, let's do it." And sales went up by twenty-three percent. Yeah, wow. So he fired the manager and he said, you're the manager. I said, I'm actually only still here for another three weeks. And so he goes, <laughs> no, you, yeah, 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 that's it. <laughs> like I bought everything I need, I'm good. But um, something about that was he he saw a different way of thinking in me as opposed to like what I studied or what, what my grades were, what my resume was. He saw a different way of thinking and I sort of adopted that in, in different areas of that business. And then through that, he said, hey, I want you to meet one of my friends. He runs, um, you know, BMW's marketing campaign and he wants to show you this billboard. I'm like, I don't even have a suit. I'll meet with him, but I don't know what I'm doing. I can't even afford a BMW. It's not my target market. Yeah. And he goes, just meet with him. I've told him that you're fresh and that you're just going to drink a coffee and may not even share anything, but he just wants to get your 
perspective on it. I said, okay. So I sat at this cafe and this guy rolled out this big, you know, um, piece of paper and he had this, this grand design for the new X5 and it had all of the car specs on it and it had three points something, whatever, and I'm not a huge car guy, but he named everything that was, that I guess broke down that car. Um, and he goes, what do you think? And I said, well, I'm, I'm not the kind of guy that would buy this, nor can I ever afford this, but it doesn't really appeal to me because I don't know what any of those numbers or dimensions or stats or any of that mean. Um, I think that if you were to summarize that into a statement that everybody would want, like drive simplicity or drive innovation or something like that, maybe that, that could work. And he goes, let's give it a shot. And I was like, no, don't give it a shot. <laughs> I'm not ready for that. Um, yeah. yeah. And, um, and they actually ran with a slogan that they formed off that statement. And again, it became their most successful marketing campaign. Wow. Um, and for me, I go, Hey, maybe I've had a good run or maybe I do think a little bit differently and started mm-hmm. exploring what that could look like in business. I'm um, actually learning to, instead of monetizing a degree, monetizing a perspective or a different way of thinking mm-hmm. and realizing that, um, in no way am I smarter than everyone in the room at all, but I may be able to see things a little bit differently and maybe that perspective to somebody is worth something. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I guess had to unlearn everything that I knew about myself, which is that, you know, I'm not smart and I can't really do this mm-hmm. and I can't pay attention and I can't write things and whatever. Um, actually relearn and refigure out and re-understand who I am and who I'm not, what my strengths and weaknesses are and start applying that in my day-to-day. Yeah, so working with your qualities and yeah. and that's what's actually made you successful. Yeah. Like, Tapping yeah. into that. Yeah. That's I so, love that you've rewrote your story to get so true. All yeah. about this perception of who we are. And yeah. It's like at the end of the day, it's just this story that you're carrying around. That's like right. You can actually rewrite that narrative in your head. Totally. Whenever you want. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And funnily enough, even the sort of the entrepreneurial spirit or seeing opportunities and stuff isn't at all something that I was born with. And it's something that I had to, to train myself in for every single day for a year and sort of apply certain things to develop that way of thinking. And it's, um, I had to rewire how my brain thinks at the same time mm-hmm. to be able to see opportunities and stuff. What are some tips or strategies or resources you use to help rewire your brain to think differently, like entrepreneur rather than employer? Yeah, I um, for me, I, I was exposed to seeing things differently um, from like a story from when I was 12 years old with my dad. Um, actually, I'll, I'll go into the story. I was, I was 12 years old and my dad forgot my birthday. Um, birthdays were never a huge thing for me, but it was a huge thing for him. Yeah. And so he was super apologetic and he goes, I'll buy you whatever you want. <laughs> and my parents didn't have a whole lot of money back then. And so I'm like, would it be too much to ask for a PlayStation? They just, you know, landed. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to rent this. Yeah, 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 yeah. All the cool kids have one. I'd love a PlayStation. And, and dad said, okay, I'll, I'll do a deal with you. Um, they're quite expensive, but your uncle's in Singapore right now and he's here in two weeks. Everything's cheaper in Singapore. If you can wait two weeks, you can have a PlayStation. I said, deal. I'll take that deal any day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I waited two weeks. My uncle arrived and gave me the PlayStation. Greatest day of my life. I plugged it in, played it. It was awesome. And my uncle gave my dad the receipt and dad looked at the receipt and said, hey, this is, um, this is really expensive. My uncle's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I pulled so many strings to get it this cheap. I can guarantee you won't find it cheaper. And dad's like, I, I swear they're, they're a lot cheaper over here. And we were living in, um, in New Zealand at the time. And um, and both of them being very hard-headed are like, get in the car, we'll confirm this right now. <laughs> JB, so, high five. Yeah, that's right. So they, they went down to, I think, the Powell store, the equivalent of Harvey Norman. I'm just going to say Harvey Norman for the sake of the yeah. story. And they went down to Harvey Norman, and it was like a quarter of the price. So they called the salesperson over, and they go, is there like a PlayStation Mini or a PlayStation Lite, or are there different tiers of it? And the salesperson's like, no, it's, it's their only product. Um, so dad's like, I'd like to buy one. 
bought another one, took it home, and goes, son, set these both up. Now, in my mind, I'm in this rap video now. People are throwing money at me. I've got, like, two PlayStations. I'm the coolest kid in school. Um, plugged them in, played them both, and said they're the exact same thing. So dad got back in his car, went back to the store, and bought nine more. And then he bought the first flight to Singapore one way just to figure out how he was going to hustle and then started knocking on doors figuring out who the distributor was until he found this one guy in a dingy office in, in Singapore and said, how much are you buying these PlayStations for? And the guy's like, listen, I buy them directly from Sony. There's no way that you can do them cheaper than what I can. Um, and so dad's like, just tell me how much you buy them for. And the guy told him and, and dad said, I'll sell them to you for half that. What? <laughs> so the guy was, was a little bit caught, you know, off guard and he opened them and he goes, okay, the serial numbers check out, they're genuine parts. And so dad, just making sure that it was all above board, wanted to call a lawyer and he ended up calling eight lawyers to make sure it was all above board. But um, <laughs> they gave him the green light and told him exactly like how he should approach it and everything. And what dad had figured out through that process was that because copying games was so readily available in so many Asian countries that they would sell one game and they would just spread like wildfire. And so Sony's plan was to make as much profit as they can off the console. So we're going to sell the console at an astronomic price. Oh, right. Whereas in Australia and New Zealand, these idiot kids are paying $100 per game. <laughs> so let's get the, the console in their home at cost price and we'll make money off the game. So dad leveraging that saw the massive discrepancy in the cost. Yeah. And so dad had worked out that when he buys the PlayStation at retail cost and ships it over to Singapore, he's making $60 per PlayStation profit. Yeah. So the guy, after looking at these 10 and, and whatever, agreed. And he just goes, I'd like to buy 1,000 PlayStations. <laughs> so dad's like, made bank. This is awesome. <laughs> Flew back home, went to the same salesperson, goes, I'd like 1,000 PlayStations. And the guy kind of freaked out, but he just goes, are you sure? You need to pay for that up front, whatever. So dad covered all that and he sent a 1,000 PlayStations. And he thought that was that was done, done deal, $60,000. is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And the guy calls him the following week and dad said, is everything okay? And he goes, yeah, look, until further notice, I'd like 60,000 a week. Uh, sorry, um, 1,000 PlayStations a week. Oh, wow. And so dad's like, this is mind-blowing. Goes back to the same salesperson. That guy's on commission as well. So, so he's, he's like, loving oh, it. Oh, my God. He's giving dad free Everyone's TVs. Like, yeah, 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 literally. Um, dad would run in. Everybody would dive on him. It's just like, no, I want that guy. Um, and so he started supplying 1,000 PlayStations a week. And then the guy called him again and said, hey, these are going crazy. I'd like 2,000 PlayStations every week. And so dad's now making between $60,000 and $120,000 a week purely for a bunch of phone calls. Yeah, they would call him. Yep. No, the, they would him. call and say the PlayStations have arrived and he'd call TNT and say the PlayStations have arrived and then he'd call wow. when they've arrived in Singapore, three phone calls and that's done. Talk about the four hour week. It's yeah, like a yeah, yeah, week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. So that went on for a while until the CEO of Sony found out. Oh no, this story's so yeah, good. I'm yeah, so happy. Yeah, yeah. And he called my dad and he said, Hey, I'd love to um, find out what you're doing with these PlayStations. Why are you buying so many PlayStations? Where are you sending them to? And whatever. And dad said, Listen, I've checked it out with lawyers. I don't need to tell you anything. And hung up on him. Like, yeah, yeah, hung and up on him. Like, Which is a perfectly <laughs> rational thing to do, right? Um, <laughs> two weeks later, the CEO called again and goes, Okay, look, you don't have to tell me what you're doing with them, but I'll give you $15,000 to stop what you're doing. And dad's like, I've, I've made $15,000 in the space of this phone call. But thank you. <laughs> yeah. Hang, hangs up on him again. And um, several weeks go by and dad thinks that the situation with Sony's done. But um, he calls again and he goes, I don't care what you're doing with them. I'm not offering you any more money, but you've pissed me off. And nobody pisses me off. 
I've got a photo of you in my office, and I'm going to send it to every single store across New Zealand and Australia. And if they even sell you Sony batteries, it'll be the end of their business. And Dad said, well, I, I call you bluff. Meanwhile, he's telling me, he goes, it's irrelevant. I don't step into any of the stores. No one sees me, so it's okay. The lawyers are all you know, up to, to, to date with what's going on. So sure, I'll call you bluff. Go for it. So he actually sends the photo out and obviously doesn't diminish or, you know, sales at all. Yeah, sales are still going. So they then start releasing a series of rules across Australia and New Zealand to try to stop my dad from doing this. And the first that they released was that you had to register your name, email, phone number and everything with every single purchase. So my dad hires me and all my friends with the white pages and we're just filling in all <laughs> oh these random God. bogus names. Yeah, <laughs> 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 Perfectly legal, I'm sure. Um, and then they release another one that really took sort of my dad's legs out. And that was that no single store could buy more than eight PlayStations at a time. Oh, wow. So that really stopped everything. Yeah. So then we'd go into a store and be like, I'm so sorry. So we've sold six. Here's two. Or I'm so sorry. We've sold four. Here's four. I just have to make sure my maths are right. But, <laughs> um, but after a while, the guy in Singapore said, Lit, well, the, the, the supply is no longer there. The demand's still there. We're just going to have to agree that we've had a good run. Um, I can't run my business on the inconsistency of how many are coming through. Yeah. So dad decided to call it a day, but that was after a year and a half of making between 60 grand to 120 grand every week with dad has a degree in, in agriculture and yeah. you know no experience in that whatsoever. Um, and it was funny because throughout that whole experience, I was like, Dad, you're crazy. Why are you still driving a Honda? Why are we in this piece of crap house? Like, yeah. you know, let's get a private jet to somewhere yeah. else. And I'm like, you make more money than anyone that's, you know, in the Guinness World Records. And for him, um, he definitely taught me the idea of seeing an opportunity and leveraging it. I think most people, including myself, would probably look at that receipt and just be bummed at the fact that you're paying three times the price and just go, that sucks. But it is yeah. what it is. Yeah. Whereas my dad goes, there might be a business in here. Yeah. Um, and further to that, when he did really leverage it and he was making more money than anybody could dream of, I was like, what are you doing? Let's upgrade house. Let's upgrade cars. Let's upgrade this. Why are you still dressed like that? You know, whereas <laughs> he said, no, the opportunity isn't to make a whole lot of money from this opportunity. It's actually that if we steward our money right, I never have to work a day in my life again. Yeah. That's why I drive that car. That's why I live here. That's why I look like this. That's why dot, dot, dot. Yeah, so um, yeah super smart. But that has allowed my dad to live the last 17 years without working a day in his life. Mm. Um, and not in any way that he's loaded. He's invested in a bunch of things that have all failed, but he can afford that failure because yeah. he leveraged an opportunity that most, if not everybody, wouldn't have seen um, and then saw through that opportunity at the same time. So me seeing that and the power of that and the fact that that funded our whole family for however many years, I said, I want to notice this next opportunity. Yeah. Um, and so going back to your question of what I introduced to, to introduce that way of thinking, I got this planner and it had, um, it was a 365 day planner. Um, and I said to myself, every single day without fail, I'm going to find an opportunity or I'm going to create a business idea or something. And I'm yeah. not going to let myself go to sleep until I find that. Um, and looking back at the book, some ideas absolutely suck and some of them are amazing. <laughs> yeah. But it was the thought of, I knew that if it was 11 p.m. and I haven't come up with something, it's just like, go down and get a Red Bull because you're not going to sleep until you find this. Yeah. Um, and started seeing opportunities. And it's funny, throughout the year, it progressively became so easy that I'd be driving somewhere and just be like, that can be improved. And if it does that, then we can do this and so on. And I started building that muscle in my mind that allows me to see, hey, here's an opportunity to improve this and that could lead to this and whatever. Um, and funnily enough, that's ultimately what an entrepreneur is, somebody mm. who sees an opportunity and leverages it. Yeah. So 
that definitely developed my uh, ability to see opportunity, but also my ability to problem solve at the same time. Okay, here's a problem. This cafe sucks. What would I do to improve it? Yeah. You know, what if they did this? Or I'm lining up for 20 minutes. What if there was an app that allowed me to, you know, or I'm sitting with my laptop just going, I have to tether, but that's not a thing back now. So mm. like, okay, what is it? It's like yeah. that um, fixed and growth mindset. that like you're just, instead of being fixed in a conditioned way of thinking like traditional schooling that's right. at university, you're yeah. like, you're conditioning yourself to ask yourself better questions. That's like, right. How can I be better or totally. bigger? Totally, yeah. Or, so I did that, but I did it in a disciplined way where I wouldn't let myself go to sleep until yeah. I found something. Um, and after that year, I just had so many things that I wanted to start and do. And then it was the art of honing in into what's worthwhile and what's not, what's profitable and what's not, and what's what are within my strengths and what are not and so on. Yeah. Um, but I definitely had to develop that from scratch because I was so frustrated that it wasn't something that I was born with, but I wanted to leverage an idea similar to my dad for so long, yeah. knowing that it wasn't within my ability that I'm like, I'm not going to accept that. I'm going to yeah. make it my ability. And I love that, like, we was, we started talking about school earlier on mm. and we didn't get to finish there, but, I mean, we we finished high school yeah. and then you did your music degree yeah. and then when that thing happened with the credit cards, like, you actually didn't go back to university to study a business degree no. or a marketing degree or no. anything like that. No. Like, you just... Yeah, self-taught. Yeah, yeah. self-taught, but I wanted it to be like that because I was I was quite scared of that creating a box that I think within. Yeah. Um, I thought for so long that my strength was very much thinking outside the box and people are just like, hey, you think very differently. And I didn't know if that was just the way that my brain was wired or if it was because I didn't have traditional education within that field and so I don't know the rules and so therefore I can break them. I don't know what it was, but for me, I'm like, hey, I'm seeing a couple of wins where I feel like it would mm-hmm. be going backwards to go for three, four years into a degree plus the outcome of that, I don't think will strengthen my strength. I think yeah, if anything, yeah. it may potentially put some restrictions on it that I personally don't want. And not at all to be a little university. Obviously, like, I mean, my sister's got a PhD and she's, she's killing it, which is awesome. But for some people, it's totally a necessity and others, yes, um, not. maybe not. Yeah. yeah, it depends on compatibility more than anything. So what did Jenny look like from there, designing like, well, maybe, maybe I'm good at this. Maybe I've got these ideas that could really help companies yeah. from developing flagship to the business and the scale that is now and the success that you've had what's that journey look sure like? it was um it was probably three or four years of just dreaming and not doing anything um yeah. before flagship yeah. um you know starting jobs and being frustrated and getting out of those jobs and starting a big business that never ended up being a big business and mm-hmm. dreaming as opposed to knowing what the next steps were i'll just have this huge dream on the wall um, and kind of gravitate towards it, but not actually do anything of any substance yeah. um, un- until I just kind of threw in the towel and, and just went for a job. Um, and I ended up somehow talking my way into being this marketing executive for this multinational music company. Um, good that sales, I guess. Me yeah, yeah. At all, yeah. Like. Um, and things <laughs> fell apart with that. And, um, and afterwards, it's funny because you sit down with so many business people who had this big grand plan of what their business was going to be and they're now living in it. And for me, flagship wasn't even a thing. Like it was, I started out purely leveraging one tiny opportunity that was going to make me $60. And then another one that was going to make me $160 and so on. How that worked was um, there was just a graphic designer that worked at the same job that I was in. And I said, hey, you're a pretty gifted um, graphic designer. I've got some friends. I'm sure I can sort of, you know, get you to do some stuff for them. And he said, yeah, that'd be great. I'd love some side income. That'd be awesome. So I reached out to a couple of friends and said, hey, I'm actually not sure if I'm actually good at this marketing thing or not. So let me do some marketing for you. I won't charge you for it, but I've also got a designer and maybe he can do some graphic design. And they said, sure. And I said to the graphic designer, what do you charge? And he goes, uh, $50 an hour. I said, cool. Hey, he's $60 an hour. 
And I said, okay, cool. And sort of made a small income there. Then realized that I was okay at the marketing thing and companies were getting results. So I start charging for that. And then this designer is like, hey, you're sending me so much work that I can do it for $30 an hour now. And I'm like, hey, he's still $60 an hour. And it's like, you know, and started doing that until we got so much graphic design work that I needed a full-time graphic designer. And I was doing the marketing thing. And branding wasn't a service that was on my radar. But my accountant called me one day and he goes, hey, do you guys do branding or brand strategy? Um, I'm like, oh, I don't really know what that is. He goes, because my business partner's got a $30,000 budget. I'm like, did you say brand strategy? Of course. <laughs> it's, it's our core business. I don't know what you're talking about. Meanwhile, I'm like Google. Googling. Yeah, literally, what is, what is a brand strategy? Um, and I called one of my good friends who's actually now a creative director and said, hey, you, you work in this massive branding firm. He's like, yeah. I said, um, uh, would you like some side hustle? Like, I've got a gig. Maybe we can split it. I'll, I'd love to learn what this looks like. And he goes, yeah, sure. And we did the first project, and the client saw astronomic success from it. And I go, hey, this was actually reasonably easy to sell, and I think that we could do this. And we started selling that until someone called me and goes, hey, do you do, like, marketing on a performance basis? I'm like, I don't know what you mean, but yes, <laughs> absolutely. You know, yes, that's a core like business. That, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, it's funny because you look at all the services that we offer and at first it started out by not knowing what they are but saying yes and learning and, learning, and then refining and bringing a whole lot of people that haven't operated within that field to just say, hey, wait, is this how brand strategy should be done? And why do people do things this way? And we should do it this way. And it's funny that now we found that our initial goal was to be recognized as a branding firm. And the second was to be recognized as the best branding firm. And now we're kind of offended if we're put in the same tier as any other branding firm. Because what we do is so different and it's so centered around business success as opposed to colors and logos and fonts and stuff that we've developed our own way of thinking and our own way of taking it to, to market and so on. That um, for us, it started out as the process was say yes to the $60 and then say yes to the $150 and then say yes to the 20 grand and then change how we do things because it makes no sense and we can improve it this way and so on. Until now, I can confidently say that our services are so dramatically different to what's out there because we've had industry giants that have come in, but we've also had people that have never operated in that that say, hey, do you mind me asking why we do things this way? Yeah. And if there's no answer, then it's like, cool, we're going to shut our door and knuckle down and, and figure out the best way to do this. Yeah. What do people want and how do we deliver that in the best possible way? And for people who are in startups listening, what's your best piece of advice for them in, in that whole? Because I love what you do with the whole the ethos and like the mission of mm. your company and getting people to really understand what their message is and yeah. who they want to attract and who they want to serve and what yeah. they want to actually give out. What would you say to someone listening to this? Yeah. Where, where do they start? Where do they start with starting their business so that they stand out from the rest? Sure. Um, it's a great question. I'll probably give two pieces of advice. The first is recognize that everything about you says something about you. And that's, that is, in a certain degree, belittling the fact that your logo and your visual presence and everything is, is, is it. I mean, I religiously fly with the one airline. And it's funny because I was flying to the U.S. office and I, I saw this crazy festival a couple of days before. I'm like, I'd love to go to that festival. So I called the airline and, um, and I said, hey, can I move my flights a couple of days earlier? And they said the department that deals with that is currently closed, but I'll pass on the note. Somebody will call you in 24 hours. 
no one called me in 24 hours or 48 hours. The reality of what happened is probably someone wrote it on a post-it and stuck it on a computer and the cleaner got rid of that or something. But in my mind, even though I've got a 12-year experience with that company, I go, they suck at customer service. They don't care about their after sales. And that to me says a lot more than so many other things. Um, so I would say recognizing that every single touch point that a customer or a client sees is absolutely integral to what they think about you. And that perception ultimately is what branding is. So branding is how people think about you. Um, and the more consistent and congruent that can be to what you want them to think, the better your brand strategy. Um, I've seen some of the greatest brand strategies in the world with the worst design that I've ever seen mm. and other way around. So I would say recognize that it is um, what do you want people to say about you and how do we engineer that into every single touch point? Um, the second, which has completely skipped my mind, is um, it's, it's probably understanding that from a brand point of view, knowing what people are buying as opposed to what you're selling. A lot of businesses have an in-depth understanding of what they're selling, but they actually don't understand why somebody or what their motivations are for buying it. And the more that you can better, or the better that you can understand that, the more that you'll be able to resonate and connect with your customers. Um, To give you an example of that, I was speaking at an event the other day and, and someone said, what's the best business advice that you can give? And I said, you know, understand why people are buying something instead of what you're selling. And he said, what do you mean by that? I said, do you go to a cafe every day? He goes, every day. I said, every day without fail. He goes, every day without fail. I said, can you tell me why you go to that specific cafe? Is it the best coffee? And he goes, no, not at all. It's actually a horrible coffee. And I said, well, why do you go? And he started thinking and he goes, um, I work with my laptop every day and I know that wherever I sit, I can get a PowerPoint. So I said, so what are you buying? And he goes, oh, I guess I'm buying access to the PowerPoint. And I said, what does the business owner think they're selling you? And he goes, they probably think I'm in there because they have exceptional food and coffee. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, imagine if they did some research and realized that 70 or 80% of people that were only in there for their PowerPoints and they should maybe stop focusing on how you know good or bad the coffee is and not take over the world and start five other cafes with no PowerPoints. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like if you can really understand the motivations as to why somebody's buying your product and tap into that and communicate that, that's how you're sort of going to start seeing that astronomic success. And I feel like the point in which we integrated that into our business is the same year that we saw a 350% growth. Wow. And that's saying, awesome. that's saying, hey, our clients don't care about colors and fonts and logos and textures. Like no one has cared when we've spoken about that. They all care about one thing and that's a return on investment. They mm-hmm. want to invest a certain amount and make more than that back. Yeah. And so for us, we go drop our portfolio and start doing case studies. Start showing what our clients are making and what they're not, what percentage of return is. And even to this day, the one thing that I'm proud of isn't necessarily all of the creative that we've done. It's that I can sit here and say our worst performing client has grown, has seen a 19% return on investment. And for us, I'm like, that will protect with our lives. Mm. You know, um, I said, imagine the strength of going into a personal training studio and instead of just seeing five great transformations, actually saying that is my Mm. worst five customers. Yeah. As opposed to saying, mm-hmm. what about the 495 that aren't on the board? What have you done with them? And actually just going, well, if that's your five customers, then the personal trainer says, my commitment is to make sure that your photo's not on the table, then it's like, you're the right person. Yeah. yeah. You know? So for us, that is understanding what our customers want and how do we communicate that, but how do we deliver that at the same time? And that was just asking everybody, what made you go with us and for what reason? That's so cool. Mm. And I was looking at your website the other day. It's really cool because you, you've got offices all around the world, don't yeah, you? Yeah, like, yeah. Where are there other offices? We've got office? New Zealand, uh, Australia, UK, and and LA or US. 
And on your website, you can see all the different people in your team. It yeah. gives you a little bit of like a little blur of who yep. they are. Yep. So how many people are in your team now at Flagship? A team of 19. That's yeah. amazing. So trying not to expand that. But <laughs> people, like you said at the start, that you, kind of, you kind of connected with along the way and they've been part of that journey? Yep. Or, yeah, it's, it's definitely um, people that I've always said, hey, in 12 months, where do we need to go and who's the person that we need to get us there? Yep. As opposed to quickly fill this void that we have right now, just hire somebody who can do this job. Um, so I can pinpoint, it's funny because you can look at photos and bios, but I can pinpoint the growth of our company and say this person got us here and then this person got us there and so on yeah. and having them all part of that 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 um, that puzzle, I guess. I love um, when you walk into the flagship's office, like it's actually an experience yeah. and I think that's what's such a unique thing about flagship like mm. i remember sitting in your office and like we're sitting in this awesome meeting room and there's like really cool stuff on the wall yeah, and, like, yeah, yeah. This huge TV and then i get asked if i want a water i'm like yeah i love a water and then like this beautiful glass bottle of water comes out and i'm like yes <laughs> angel you singing you don't need to sell anything You're like i mean yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah but that's true i mean that comes about back to like everything about us says something about us yeah. you know mm. we we invest heavily in little things like our business cards yeah. but when i hand that over and i say hey what does that say about my company and they go hey it says that you're high quality and you appreciate excellence and you invest back in your clients and the amount of people that's like hey this looks really expensive you can have it back it's like it's okay you're worth the two dollars or whatever this costs um but i I genuinely feel that all of those touch points um i mean we don't have to say in our meetings that we're high quality we do you know they get that they get it i'm I'm a firm believer that people can hear something or people can experience something and if people hear something it's up to them as to whether they believe it or not if they experience something you can't argue with that so when people come to our office they experience a standard of excellence that they can't argue with you know as opposed to us sitting there for half an hour trying to to trying to sell them it's exactly right i've always said if our brand is our salesperson we've done the right thing yeah Mm. and what i I'd love to know what your advice would be for entrepreneurs who are listening in because obviously you've had such success and you've yeah. grown your business to such a large scale but I love that you're also humble enough to admit that it was four yeah. years there yeah. and you just yeah. had a lot of dreaming. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you had some face down moments along the way. Totally. Um, what advice would you give to some maybe some struggling, hustling entrepreneurs listening in? Yep. The biggest thing that I had to do, um, I, I lost so much confidence in myself and my ability to run a company and my ability to start something. Um, and I see that recurring pattern in so many people that have tried and failed and tried and failed. And there is only so much of that you can handle. There's only so long you can be on a losing team. Um, and I think this, the strongest or the wisest thing you can do is transfer the confidence from yourself into an idea. If you don't believe in yourself, then it's just like, I may not be able to run a multinational company, but this idea or this business plan or this business strategy or whatever has the ability to be multinational. For that reason, I'm going to, you know, fall back on that. Not that everyone's plan is to have this multinational company or anything, Mm. but transferring that confidence maybe from yourself where it lacks into something else and that might be you know the idea that you have or the team that you have around you or the access or an opportunity and so on Um, and I say that purely because I don't want to be another person that's just like no hang in there you can do it Um, and they go hey some Egyptian guy on some podcast one time told me I can do it so I'm going to fall back on that you know so you personally do that when you have those days you're like oh my god like do you have those days where you think can I do this or is that kind of long gone now oh I wouldn't say it's long gone um if i can be perfectly honest i don't there the gravity of some of the decisions that i have to make today i very much will make that decision and then i'll sit there and be like was that right was it not is this decision above me um but i've definitely developed the right people to talk to about that sort of thing mm-hmm. and you've just surrounded yourself with people who are just yeah that's fully right. invested in 
helping you. That's right. And I've had to develop who to ask for what at the same time. I ask somebody relationship advice and ask somebody else about business advice and ask someone else about finance advice and so on. Um, And knowing what boardrooms to put people in, Mm. you know, and at what point you want to call on for that. And it's always... Um, a reflection of you have to be able to make the statement of like, hey, I want to be like you in this area. And so I'm going to ask you the questions in like relating to that area. Yeah. Um, but also for me, um, and this is this is me personally, but I, I have a strong faith of, in God as well. So for me, I think that that does play a big role. Yeah. Um, you know, even I personally don't call myself the CEO of flagship. I sort of reserve what I feel the ultimate decision maker is to someone that's sort of above or higher than myself. Yeah. Mm. Um, and that definitely helps knowing that at the end of the day, it doesn't completely fall back on my shoulders. Yeah. Um, and that does definitely get me through some hard times. Yeah. Um, but that's, again, personal to me. I think everybody will find theirs. I think that's even something I've noticed from our business journeys. A lot of people that we do get to meet and me personally going through business, it's like most entrepreneurs, they're going on a massive personal development journey, yeah. but a lot of them go on a spiritual journey mm, too. That's right. Like business grows as they grow, whether or not whatever religion they follow or whoever sure. they perceive to be God. Yep. It's crazy how entwined faith is can be with business as that's well. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's mm, exactly yeah. right. So that's that's been a game changer for me. Yeah, I love mm. that. I love it. Thank mm. you so much. No, no for- sweat. Being on. Did you want to ask anything else? No, before? I'm just like sitting here and just taking it all in. That yeah. was awesome. No, thank, thank you. So you. Much no, no sweat. On. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate yeah, it. we're excited. And so, where could people listening find you? Um, yep, website is flagship.agency. Um, I'm not huge on LinkedIn and, and all of that stuff, but feel free to um, to even just send us some questions or a struggle that you're having. It doesn't necessarily have to be that you're a prospective client. We're more than happy to sort of listen to whatever that is and share any sort of experience or wisdom that we may or may not have. But um, yeah, if you do feel as though that where you're at in business and where you want to be in business isn't necessarily aligned, um, definitely worth at least a health check. So flagship.agency is the website. Definitely worth having a chat with you and obviously jumping online and mm. Googling TED Talk Fadi Hanna because <laughs> it was yeah. amazing. That <laughs> TED funny. Talk totally yeah. blew my mind. Thank you. Thank you so much, no, guys. No sweat. Thanks, Thank it's you. All good. We hope you loved that episode of the Babes Talking Business vlogcast. Guys, we're just loving bringing you these episodes. Our mission is to share and add value to your week, whether you're a budding entrepreneur or you're a veteran in the owning your own business game. Don't forget, if you're loving our podcast, we would like love for you to rate us and drop us some love on the iTunes app because we want to know your feedback. We want to know what you're thinking. Once a week, one lucky reviewer will be shouted out on our Instagram. So when you leave us some feedback on the iTunes app, don't forget to include your Instagram handle and or your website so that we can shout you out. Guys, you can follow us on Instagram by going to at Babes Talking Business. You can check out our website at www.babestalkingbusiness.com and This podcast is actually a vlogcast as well, meaning you can watch each and every single interview by heading over to our YouTube channel. All the links for all of these are below in the podcast notes and on our website as well. Thanks for tuning in.